Welcome to another episode of Teacher Stories. This is your host, Ken Fiedernick, and this podcast is another in a series of stories we are doing on how teachers and students are coping with the closing of their schools due to the COVID-19 pandemic. We have several guests with us today. Cindy Page is an avid and psychology teacher at Crawford High School in San Diego, California. Welcome, Cindy. Kelsey Butcher is an advisor uh, to students at the same school and also the athletic director. We also have several students with us from Crawford High School. Kelsey, would you mind introducing them? Um, so we have our class of 2020 um, president, Tina Tran, and um, another senior is um, on the line. We also have juniors, um, Judy Mercado, Winway Wen, and Sumea that are joining us that helped us in this project. Well, great. I'm really excited to hear about it. Um, and I, I just, for our listeners, I think uh, they can imagine if you're not an educator, you might not know that all schools and teachers who were trying to figure out how to, to cope with this situation are encountering a whole slew of problems, trying to quickly switch to a whole new way of teaching and supporting your students while everyone is home now trying to learn. Uh, most teachers, I assume both of you, were never trained that, uh, to be distance learning instructors. And even if you had been, not all of your students were ready or able to participate. So tell us about that problem and how you've been trying to solve it. Um, so when we closed down our school, um, we found out via tweets at about 10 o'clock in the morning that schools were going to be closed until April, what was yesterday, the 13th. Um, and so we, it took us a couple hours to get that verified. And then um, we had a staff meeting at lunchtime and then we were told that we were closing down. So we didn't really have any time to front load our kids with regard to the fact that we were gonna be closing. Then as this escalated, it became clear that we were not gonna open yesterday as we thought, that it was gonna be much longer. And so then the district had to develop a plan to get technology into the hands of the students. Um, and the students were on. Um, and we are a, a Title I school, we're 100% free lunch at our school and have over 30 languages on our campus, which makes us a really diverse, amazing community. Um, but it also provides some challenges as far as getting hold of in order to pass along information. And so, um, Kelsey, talk a little bit about the project that you undertook to ensure that uh, all of your students at your school, or most of them anyway, would have access to the right technology. Um, so essentially, the principal of our school sent out a survey, I think it was on a Wednesday or Thursday, and it was to gather all the information from our students as far as who needed technology, that we needed a Chromebook and if they had internet access in the home. A lot of our kids have internet on their phone, but they don't necessarily have it on a, on a computer. Um, and so we had our distribution day from the district was set on Tuesday. So we got the word like Wednesday night and we have over 1100 students. So in four and a half days, we needed to um, ascertain how many of our students needed technology because that was the rollout day we were given and we had to be ready to go. Um, we got the list. I asked one of our site techs to send us our list um, with the students' contact information and their advisory classes. Um, we have like a homeroom that we call advisory. 
And then we set about having each advisor, which is anywhere from 20 to 35 students, start calling home. Um, and that was successful. And so I think we ended up getting about 40 to 50% of the kids that way. And then it became clear and evident that there were some specific um, names that we were missing. And a lot of that came down to a language barrier. And I don't speak Vietnamese and I don't speak Spanish and I don't speak Burmese or Somali. And so it was at that point that I was like, my best assets in this, in this project are these students and these students that have this amazing talent and skill of being bilingual and in some cases trilingual, um, we've decided to put them into the force. So we got some of our key students, some of our trustworthy students that are very mature and we gave them chunks of the alphabet. Um, you take the trans, you take the wins, you take the twos and they were calling those parents and um, especially in this time, Sometimes that un, unknown phone call that comes through, parents are not willing to answer right now, um, especially when they have a, an English speaking lady on the other side that they don't understand. So it's much more um, of a successful cold call when the student is able to converse in that home language of our, of our students' families. Um, and so these are some of our trusted AVID students that we were able to send out the list to and they just started chunking away at it. They would chip away at it. And I think I, I said it had that old adage of how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time. And every phone call mattered. And it was, it was really successful because we had an online Google Sheet. And so we were able to see live when we made that contact, if the person went on and did the survey, and then we were able to update it. So everybody had this constant kind of feedback of whether or not they were being successful. And I think we ended up at about... Of our 1,150 students, I think we ended up being able to successfully contact um, 1,050. So there's still 100 that we have some, some in-depth um, hunting going on to find them. Kelsey, I wonder if you could call on one of the students online to describe what it was like to make some of those first phone calls and whether they were nervous about it and how people responded when they picked up the phone and they said, hi, I'm a student from Crawford High. I'm probably going to turn this over to Tina. She was the first one that really stepped up and, and helped take out a big chunk of the alphabet. So Tina, what was that like for you? So for me, it was um, in the beginning, the parents wouldn't pick up my phone call because it is um, a very new number and like a strange number. So I had to call the parents like two to three times for them to pick up. And then from there, they're like, who are you? And, I, and then I'm like, I'm a representative, a student from Crawford. And then I told them about the technology survey, why it was being implemented and why they needed to fill it out. But to make it easier on them, I ended up filling it out for them. And um, because the survey itself, it too was a language barrier, it was in English. So I just got all the, um, necessary like information and then I would type it in and submit it to them and then afterwards a couple of days we heard back about like the laptop distribution so all of the um, parents that said they needed a laptop and they didn't have internet access I texted over to them and I'm like oh these are the days that your um, child can get the laptop and then how internet will work I would explain that to them as well through text 
And what would you say, or how would you solve the internet problem if they said we don't have internet access at our house? So um, Cox is allowing internet access to the students. So I sent that over to the parents and I explained that to them since they don't have internet access and then how their students can get in contact with the teachers as well to do their work. And once you spoke to the parents and, and I assume you did it in uh, their native language, did they um, open up and were they appreciative that you reached out to them? Yeah, a lot of them were like, thank you. And they didn't know about what was going on. Even their um, student, even the student, their child didn't know what was going on too, because they also had a language barrier. It wasn't just the parents. So it was very helpful. So do you know, um, Kelsey, how many families, you reached uh, virtually all except for 100, but do you know how many families you were able to help go from not having the right technology to being able to connect and be online? Um, the numbers are a little bit fuzzy because on our two days of pickups, um, 500 people picked up on the first day and 700 people picked up on the second day. And the reason why those numbers are higher than our actual student population is to minimize contact, parents were able to pick up siblings' um, devices. So if a student had a, if a parent had a student at Crawford High School, they were also able to pick up their middle school or their elementary school devices on that same day. Um, so I think we had a huge impact in our students being able to get the technology. Um, Tina talked about the internet. We also had another student that actually did a live video of the sign-up process, which was really helpful. Um, it seems common knowledge, like you think that here's a flyer fill up for or sign up for internet, but it's impressive on on this front how having it in a student voice helped break down that barrier because even I was trying to call Cox and I was being told it was going to cost $10 a month for our students. I was trying to do it on the internet. Um, and so it's become a real village effort to make sure that nobody um, is shut out of the technology. I do want to make a point that Tina went above and beyond. So the, the initial project was just to get them to complete the survey. A, the fact that she did the survey for them in a lot of cases, but then B, followed up. And I think that really speaks to the community that we have in that she didn't feel like her job was done once the survey was done. She still continued to reach out to make sure that they had all of those pieces. Um, and that's what makes all of these kids so special. She didn't have to do this. When her crazy teacher texted her and said, can you help? She could just ignore my text, but she knew that she is a leader within her community and she was needed and she answered that call. And I think all of these young ladies, it's, it's really impressive to, to ask a 16 and a 17 year old, hey, we need you to call up all these people that you don't know. But, and I think it shows what this whole country is doing, what the world is doing. All these people that are selling masks and things like that. It's like, they knew that they were needed. People needed their help and, and they didn't ignore it. They stepped up and they did it. And I think that's to be applied. I want to throw a question out to the students that are with us. The whole point of this is to enable families and, and students in particular to be able to connect so that when you start doing uh, online instruction, they will have access. But um, you know, many of us take for granted our ability to access 
the internet, but beyond the academic learning, how important is it for students and families to have the technology that connects them to the school and also to the outside world? And I would love to hear from some students on what your thoughts are about that. I think it's really important that um, like our parents and us have like access to the internet because like um, since we're all home, we don't really know what's going on. So like having access to the internet allows us to like get information about like the current situations that are like going around during this pandemic. I would think it would be helpful for some of your classmates who didn't have access, except maybe through a phone, for their families to be able to connect with uh, relatives and other families and other classmates. Is that, have you found that to be true? Yeah, like my parents, they would contact um, like the relatives that live in other state states and like ask them about the situations there. And then like they would call them to see if they're safe. They were not able to do that until, or at least many of the families were not able to do that until all of you undertook this project and helped them get connected to the internet and, and uh, equipped with the right type of uh, computers. Isn't that right? Yeah. So Maya, how about you? Do you have uh, thoughts about uh, the importance of this project and, um, and your role in making this happen? Basically, um, when I got the, like, the Facebook message, I was like, let me help. But then there was like miscommunication and I couldn't like translate on that day. So I was like, okay, if I can't translate, what can I do? So then I started like FaceTiming my cousins that go to school with me and like family and um, friends. And I started telling them about the survey. I even had to fill out like some surveys for my cousins because like they were being lazy about it. But like just getting the message out to even our friends at school, like we have group chats, like many group chats on different um, social media um, platforms. So like sending it to those group chats that we have. And I feel like helping and doing that is, if I couldn't translate, I could have done that. So I felt like helping a little bit is better than not helping at all. Yeah, I'm sure it felt gratifying to be uh, able to make a contribution like that. Judy, how about for you? Um, what was the experience like for you being part of this team and making sure that the families at your school were getting access to the internet? Yeah, I think it's important that everybody has like internet access and like is able to communicate with people because recently like my friend he didn't have like internet access because of where he lives and then he found out that his dad was in london and that like his dad got corona and so right now like his dad's like in another place and like they recently just found out about it so yeah i think it's important that everybody has like internet access to communicate with other people cindy i want to come back to you for just a moment and ask you as a teacher and observing this whole project that uh Kelsey and all these students took on, and, and I assume you were part of. What, is, what has it been like from your perspective, being an educator at the school and, and seeing this group of people come together? Uh, what lessons have there been in all this for you? This is one of the things that's always been amazing about Crawford is that our students really do have a sense of responsibility for each other and a sense of community that I think maybe other schools don't have to the extent that we do. Um, it is a really special place and educators who have worked at Crawford and gone on to work at other places have said that that's something that they really miss about it. And so um, it was very gratifying to see everybody jump in and help out, but 
not very surprising because our kids do these kinds of things for each other all the time. And I say kids, you know, I have alumni that are in their 40s now, and uh, <laughs> um, we have alumni who were there long before we were, um, who come back and help out. It's just a really loving, supportive, nurturing community um, where everybody goes above and beyond to help others. So I want to throw out a question to the students, but but Cindy, you and, and Kelsey, both teachers, you're welcome to respond as, as well. But I'm wondering how this epi epidemic or pandemic has changed your view of, of the world and of life in general. Um, so for me personally, I feel like it has like made me value life a little more. Cause like the fear of like, you know, when you go to the store and you can't find like basic sanitary products or food items and like the shutdown of schools and like the fear and anxiety that like your loved ones aren't like okay or like your health and like the fact that you can't go to like um like you can't go to like the doctor and like be sure that like you have a guarantee that the hair the healthcare system will protect you and i feel like it shouldn't have taken like a whole pandemic to realize that we like truly are blessed to be like here because unfortunately a lot of people around the world have to like live with this. Like for example, Yemen, like those people are like struggling to survive and like a lot of them are dying, especially kids because they don't have food or like water or they're dying they're dying because of illnesses. And um the shutdown of schools too. How like we like take education for granted, but this is like normal life for other kids around the world. And so after this is over, I definitely will be like more grateful like for everything like every even every handshake you know yeah thank you thank you for that judy um tina let's come back to you for a for a moment how has this pandemic affected you and uh, your view of of the world i think judy said it all and for me too it just um allowed me to respect my teachers even more because i'm at home trying to help my brother with like making sure he's doing math homework, making sure he's doing his reading and his writing. And it just like shows how hardworking the teachers are because that's not an easy job at all. <laughs> right, I, I think that's right. Um, and let me just uh, pose another question. Um, maybe Wenwei uh, or Samaya, you'd like to respond to this, but um, will anything good come out of this crisis? Are there any lessons, good lessons that could be learned? I think definitely what would come out of this is like togetherness because I feel like this pandemic like brought families together, it brought friends together, and I feel like people will build bonds that would last forever. Kelsey and Cindy, uh, are there, is there any silver lining or silver linings uh, in this crisis from your vantage point? Silver linings, I, I think being able to spend time with my family at home has been a silver lining and I will look back at it fondly after trying to um, manage my two children and their education. I have a 13 year old and a 10 year old and um, as Tina said, it is a challenge. I get about 30 to 40 minutes of work out of them and then they, um, they got to get up and go. So we're learning a lot of recess time and, and outdoor activities. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like appreciation for what we have and just the simplest thing about being able to get into your car and drive to the grocery store and get what you need and the simple things of walking into your classroom and seeing the faces of your students um 
you, you start to take it for granted. And it's like, I look forward to these Zoom calls because it's like, there's my kids. And um, I miss them. And it's, it's difficult. And um, Cindy and I are also the senior class advisors. And as I said, Tina is the class president. Um, and it's just like, I, I think I was texting Tina one night and Tina has worked for four years. She's been the class president for four years. Um, she has busted her butt in every snack bar she possibly can. And she has a loyal group of committee members that have worked their tails off um, to be able to have all these amazing senior activities at the end of the year. And Cindy and I are committed to whatever we're able to do um, legally in a health aspect um, to celebrate these kids, we're going to do um, but I think Tina texted me back and, and she said, is every, as long as everybody's all healthy, then it's okay. So she's not crying. And I, I've seen a lot of Facebook messages that, that my parents during this time in their senior year, they weren't called to stay home. They were called to go to Vietnam and go to war. And so it, it puts it in a perspective where we may miss out on some really big key senior activities and things like that, but we're just being asked to stay home. And it was, refreshing to me because I was having some real tear down moments about the things that my kids are missing and Tina just texted back and she says as long as everybody's healthy then it's okay um and so it's it's nice to know that the kids although they're upset about missing these things they um they have a real mature aspect and I think a lot of their families have come from struggle and their our kids are really taking it in stride um they're not happy about it, but they're, they're taking it in stride and they're figuring out what they can do from this point forward. Thank you for that. Cindy, any, any final thoughts about silver linings, lessons to be learned from this? I have found that in the middle of this, I need to not think too much <laughs> because if I start thinking too much, it's counterproductive. So I'm just kind of you know, like Kelsey said, eating the elephant one bite at a time right now, trying to get through this. I feel like it's really hard to reflect on something when you're in the middle of it. Um, but I love what all the kids had to say. I love what Kelsey had to say. And I love the resilience of our students. Um, and I miss them a lot. I just want to uh, see if any students would like to share a final thought about uh, since this is a teacher stories podcast, if you have any thoughts you want to share about your teachers, either um, Cindy or Kelsey who are online with this or any of your other teachers and what they mean to you. I just want to thank every teacher because like they're adapting as much as we are and like they're trying their best to like give us as much information as they know because right now we're living day by day and it's very unknown of what's going to happen. So they're trying their best and I respect them so much for it and thank you. Thank you, Tina, for sharing that sentiment. Anyone else, um, Judy or Sumaya? I feel like the teachers really do play a big role because like everybody's so new, so, so new to like this online method and like, little things show that they care like for example miss page would be posting like these little uh polls on facebook like how are you feeling like do you need any assistance and i'm just like oh my god i love you it's like you know like showing that they care is like really important because like we miss them as much as they miss us thank you samaya um when do you have a, a thought you want to share 
Yeah, um, I also really appreciate um, the teachers during this time because I can see how hard they're trying to like adapt to um, this new thing. And yeah, I'm, I'm really appreciative of like what they're doing right now. Well, thank you for that. Well, I think it's uh, time for us to wrap up this podcast episode. And I want to thank my guests, Cindy Page and Kelsey Butcher, both teachers at Crawford High in San Diego. And I especially want to thank the Crawford High students who participated, not just for being on this episode of Teacher Stories, but for helping to solve a really important problem, making sure your classmates have the technology they need to continue learning, and just as importantly, to connect with their fellow students, their friends and families. Many of us who have access to the internet and have the right computers and software can easily take that for granted. You didn't take it for granted and you did something about it. So thank you. This concludes another episode of Teacher Stories. Listeners, I hope you will go to teacherstories.org or listen to the Teacher Stories podcast on iTunes, where you'll find many more stories about teachers and the impact they have on students, just like Cindy and Kelsey. Be well, everyone. Thank you.